Romans 3, we're going to read tonight from verse 19 all the way down to the end of verse number 25. Romans 3, verse 19 to 25. It says this, Now, we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all, them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And we'll stop the reading there and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his precious word. Many words in the Bible that deal with different aspects of this whole process of salvation. And when I say the process, I don't mean that it's something you do, and it's not something that you're going through, but what I mean is this. There's so many problems in our lives. There's so many aspects to the problem of the human condition. That God describes it with all these different metaphors and with all these different words. And for me, for a very long time, they were confusing to me. I remember sitting in a chair like you and listening to a word like propitiation. What does that mean? Propitiation or listening to a word like sanctification or maybe even just adoption, so on and so forth. It's a long list of words that we can go through. But what do they mean? And one of the things I'd like to emphasize to you tonight is one word that we see in Romans chapter 3, and this, it's this word, justification. Now here's the problem. The word justification doesn't really help you very much because you don't know what it means. So if I tell all of you tonight and I say as loud as I possibly can, you need to be justified tonight. It's not very helpful, is it? So I'm going to try, try, as a failing vessel, I'm going to try and explain to you what being justified means. Number one, I want to tell you why you need it. I want to talk to you, secondly, how people fight and they try and they push to get it. I want to tell you about how people will, will give all their energy to maintain it. And then I also want to tell you about how people are, have this great fear of losing it. And then if we have time at the end, we'll talk about how there's no fear of, ever, of it ever being taken away from you. But here in Romans chapter 3, Paul is continuing on in a book, and I have to paint the picture for you for you to understand this great word. Now, if you're thinking, I already went to school all day, I was at the job all day long, and we looked at plans, and we looked at papers, and we were thinking about things, my brain is fried, well, just give me a few minutes. Do you know why? Because if you understand this, and if you believe it, and if it becomes true of you tonight, your entire life will be changed. And you will be saved, and you will have a proper relationship 
with God. What's Paul doing in the book of Romans? Paul wanted to go to a city called Rome. Do you know why he wanted to go there? Paul wants to go to this city for this reason, to explain the gospel to them, but also so that they could help him along so he could go to other places like Spain. So Paul writes this big, long book, 16 chapters. And in the first chapters, he's talking about how men, mankind and women, young girls and young boys, all in the crowd tonight, how each and every one of us are sinners. And first of all, he'll go on and he'll say, well, you know, there's this group of people in the world that are called Gentiles. A Gentile means somebody who's not a Jew. So anybody who's not Jewish here tonight, you're a Gentile. I'm not Jewish, so I'm a Gentile. If there's Jews in the crowd, we'll get to you in chapter 2. In chapter 1, he talks about Gentiles. And he says that every single Gentile is a sinner. A sinner. If you're a Gentile, you're a sinner. It talks about Jews in chapter number 2. And it says that the Jews are in the same boat. They are also people who have sinned. And because they have sinned, they've offended God. They don't have a proper relationship with God. They're not saved. And then he comes to chapter number 3 and he says, Now I want to tell you not just about Gentiles and not just about Jews. I want to declare to all of you that every single person in the world, no matter who you are, where you're from, everyone is guilty before God. Do you know what one of the things that God used to show everyone that they're guilty? Do you know what it was? It was something called the law. Do you know what the law is? The law was this great long list of rules, sometimes condensed into 10 commandments, but you could see different rules, 613 and maybe even more rules. And they tried to keep the rules, and they tried to show God how good they were by keeping every single rule. You know why God even gave them the list of rules? To show them they couldn't keep it. To show them they couldn't keep it. But when they saw the list of rules, they thought, oh wow, look at that great list of rules. I'm going to show God how I can keep every single one Show God how good of a person I am. Sometimes we do that at home, too. Your parents might give you a little list of rules, and you want to show your parents, yeah, I can keep every single one of these rules. I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that. I'm good at keeping the rules. Well, these rules, the whole point of giving them these rules was this, to show them that they had sinned. They had this big misconception, this great problem. They said this, I think that through these rules, I'm not going to be a sinner. Through obeying the rules... I'm going to be right with God. I'm going to be right with God. That's where justification comes in. Maybe it'll help you if I give this illustration. I was talking to a few people today. I'm going to tell you about all three of them. One of the men, I asked him this question. I said, how can you be right with God? How can you be right with God? So as I tell you what he said, think in your mind about how you would be right with God. He said this, I have no idea. And he said it with a smile on his face. It's kind of sad. I said, well, you know, I tried to talk a little bit more, keep the conversation going. And he said, you know what, I actually have no interest either. I have no idea how to be right with God, and I have no interest in being right with God. You know, sometimes in the crowd there's two types of people, maybe even other types of people. Sometimes in the crowd you have somebody who's really interested in being right with God. They want to be saved, but they don't know how to do it. They want to be saved, but they're doing the wrong things. Then you have people in the crowd, and they have no interest in being saved. Is that you tonight? If that is you, I want to tell you, you must have an interest in salvation because you will meet God one day. And if you are not saved, you will be apart from God for all of eternity. You must have an interest in salvation. Which of, which of the two are you tonight? Are you the one who's not interested or are you very interested? You just don't know 
how to get there. We have two in the chapter. In Romans chapter 3, we have the people who try to be right with God by obeying all the rules. And then we have the people who just don't really care. They just don't really care. You know what that guy said to me? Is that what you're saying right now? How can I be right with God? Well, preacher, I I just don't really care. I'm sorry. I came because a friend brought me. I'm here because my parents brought me. I'd rather be at home. I have an Xbox. I have a PlayStation. I got things to do tomorrow. I have homework. I just don't want to be here. I'm not interested in being right with God. If that's you tonight. There are people in this room, including myself, And we are crying out to the Lord to work in your life so that you will have an interest in being saved. This is serious. This is solemn. We're not here to play games. Joey and I aren't here so that you guys will think we're good at making messages. The reason why we're here is because God wants to save souls. And the way that he does that is through the preaching of the gospel. And you have an opportunity tonight in this very meeting by listening to God's word. You can believe the word and be saved. You can agree with God and have his salvation. If you put it aside tonight, you're putting yourself beneath the judgment of God. And you will be under that wrath for all eternity if you reject him. Listen to what God says. If you don't have an interest, give God a chance, as it were. Tonight, by listening to his word, you can be saved. There's those two people in this chapter. The ones who, they're they're kind of indifferent. The other ones, they want to be saved. They want to be saved. Well, the way I I like to think about justification, and and I got to tell you, kids, and other ones, it's a difficult word. Just try and pay attention for a few, a few minutes here. You're all paying very good attention. But just give me a few minutes. I'm going to try and explain it to you this way. Justification is a privileged status. Okay? It's a privileged status. So, there's difference. There's a status that you probably want at school. Right? You've got to wear the right clothes. Well, that doesn't just stop at school. When you get older and you, you have to buy suits and all that kind of stuff, it's got to be the right kind of suit. You know, some, some of the old people, they have long... Long jackets. Oh, the short jackets are in style now. Oh, and your, your socks, they got to match. Your trousers, it's got to be right. And your shirt cuff, it's got to be the right length. See that? It's a bit too long. It's a bit too long. Maybe somebody in the crowd, you know, point that out. Keep those shirt cuffs a little bit short. And the tie's got to be right, and the shirt's got to be right. And that doesn't change. Sometimes with, just with fashion and with clothing, you got to meet a certain standard. And if you're the kind of person who's always wearing the right clothes at school or at work or whatever, you'll have a right status, right? It's the same thing at work. You got to have a certain amount of sales. You have to do your job a certain way. And if you do your job a certain way, according to the standard that they set, then you'll have that status. He's a good worker. She's a good employee. That person deserves a promotion. I think he's going to get a raise. So on and so forth. You meet the standard and then you have the status. Well, that's what's going on in chapter number three. God says he has a standard. And he says this, No one in this room has ever met it. God has a standard. And there's not one person in all of human history. And there's no one that will come in the future who will ever meet God's standard. It's a standard of perfection. It's his standard of God's own righteousness. And not one of us could ever say to God, Oh God, look, I kept all your rules. Look what I did. You said to do this. You said to do that. I've done it. So now am I righteous? No, 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 no. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. You can't keep God's standard. You can't do it. 
And the whole point of talking about justification is this. God wants to give you that status. God wants to give you that status. There's people in the Bible and they tried to work for that status. God says it's not by working. It's by believing. We were talking about Hebrews 11 the other day. That's what the whole chapter is about. All those men in Hebrews 11. Why is that an important chapter in the Bible? Because those men, why are they noteworthy? Why are they people, why are they people that you should pay attention to? It's because they believed God. You know what it says about one of those men? His name was Abraham. And God told him about his wife, that his wife was going to have a child. And he told him also to do something, to take his son up to a mountain and to offer him to God. But he believed God. God told him. God was the God of life. God is the God of resurrection. And he knew that about God. And therefore he said, I believe him. You know what happened? God gave him a new status. And the Bible uses this word. It's called righteous. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. What did Abraham do? Did he work and work and work? Did he get all the rules and put them on his uh, bedroom wall and work on them one at a time? And day by day, I'm going to do this today and do that tomorrow. And by the end of the year, I'll finally be righteous. No. God said, trust me. Trust me, and I will give you the status of being righteous. I will make you righteous, and once you are righteous, then you can be with me. Can you see the difference? This is what we do. We try to prove ourselves to God, and we say, Oh God, look at how righteous I am. And because of how righteous I am, then I'm going to be able to be with you in heaven. This illustration came to mind today as I was thinking about this and reading over these verses You know, if God just wanted people to pump out works, if God just wanted people to obey him in this way, just offering and offering and offering and giving and giving and giving, if that's all God wanted, you know what he would have done? He just would have created this massive factory and he would have put you and he would have put me on an assembly line. And we would have just started pumping out all sorts of things that God likes and that God finds pleasure in. Oh, look at this work and that work. Oh, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that. We would just produce it and produce it and produce it. If God wanted works, he just would have made us slaves inside of a factory producing works. God's not interested in your hands so much as he's interested in your heart. God is not interested so much in your works as he is interested in your will, your belief, your faith, trusting him. That's what God is looking for. You know what the big mistake that you're all making, those of you who aren't saved, that you're making in the crowd tonight? You think God wants something else out of your life. You think God's looking for something inside of you. No, no. God just wants this. Trust me. Believe me. Put your faith in me, not in you. So simple. It's so simple. It goes over our heads. We suppress it. We ignore it. We put it to the side. There has to be something I can do. God says, no, no. Trust me. Believe what I say. And I will make you righteous. Even though you don't deserve it. Even though you are not righteous. 
Even though you've done nothing to show righteousness, I will give it to you. Trust me. Believe in me. So let's keep going with these verses. People fight to get it. Once they have it, they fight to maintain it. I try not to look at sports that much. It's one of those things. I have a very addictive personality, so I try not to do it. You know, a few things that I've noticed over a few years. There's people that are always trying to maintain a certain status. You ever heard of the GOAT, right? People talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And in basketball, I think right now they're comparing LeBron James and Michael Jordan, something like that. Maybe there's someone else who's come along. In soccer, uh, they're always comparing Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, two of the greatest soccer players, two of the greatest basketball players, and it's a big debate. Who's the best? Who's the greatest of all time? Is it the younger guy or is it the older guy? Is it the guy from Portugal or is it the guy from Argentina? Who is it? And every year it kind of changes. And every game it kind of changes. And one guy scores more goals, the other one, you know how it goes. They try to keep that status. They try to maintain the status, the greatest of all time. They want that status, and they want to keep that status. You know what? This status of being righteous, it's not something you maintain. It's not something you keep. It's not something where you say to God, well, look, I had a really good game. Am I still, the great? Am I still righteous? Oh, God, look, I had a really good year. Am I still righteous before you? Oh, God, look at all the verses I memorized. Am I st- no, no, no. It's not something you maintain. It's something you receive. I want you to look at this first. Look down at your Bible. If it's still open, Romans chapter 3 is where we are. I want you to look down at your Bible and look at verse number 20. It says this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now go to verse 22. Even the righteousness of of God, which is in, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that, what's that word? What's that word? Look at your Bible. What does it say? That's where the authority is. It's not in us. What does the Bible say? It says right there at the end, unto all and upon all them that believe, believe. Trust, faith, confide, rely, rest. It's him. It's not you. It's what he wants to give you. It's not what you can do. There's people in this room, and I know, I know because I've been in your spot before, and to a certain extent, I feel for you, I sympathize with you, but there are people in this room who have a sort of evangelical religiosity about them, and primarily children, a sort of religious heart where there's something inside of you that wants to prove yourself to God. And it's not all the obvious things of doing works. No, you're not going to go on a pilgrimage. You know that. No, you're not going to go and give money to the poor. You know that doesn't bring salvation. But you do little things to try and prove yourself to God. I feel bad enough. I was emotional enough. I cried enough. I did this. No, no, it says here, forget it all. It says one word, believe. How's your life going to be transformed? How are you going to be saved? How are you going to have this status? 
When you come before God on that future day and you meet that judge, you need to have this status. You go to school with your friends and you want to have a certain status. And in order to get along, oh, I got to have that status. And you go to work, I have to have that status. And you want that certain career, I got to have the status. You know what? You know what's the most important status to have? It's this one right here. Because when all this is said and done, and your life is gone, and you're in the history books, and you're standing before God, if you don't have this status, you're not saved. And you will be lost in eternity forever. You need this status tonight. You need to be righteous. And there's nothing you can do to get that righteousness except believe. And God will give it to you. The Bible uses this word. I haven't been wanting to use it throughout the message. But the Bible uses this word. Justify. God will justify you. He will give you that righteousness. He will give you the status, and you will be right before God. Thinking again of the other men that I spoke to, and I'll just finish with this. I mentioned one of the men. What was his reaction? I hope it's not your reaction tonight. He said, I have no idea how I'm going to be right with God, (laughs) and he did not care. There was another man, and he said to me, well, I think you can be saved But I don't know if you can be right with God. I think you can be saved. But I don't know if you can be right with God. This is how it works. And I hope I can explain this to you properly. Please talk to us after the meeting if this is not making sense to you. We want to be clear. We sincerely want to see you understand and be saved. This is the difference. He's separating all these different things, all these different words that you see in the Bible. Propitiation redemption. Oh, maybe I'm redeemed, but I'm not. God hasn't propitiated for me. Maybe I'm sanctified, but I'm not necessarily saved, and so on and so forth. This is how it works. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, thou shalt be saved. And at that moment when you believe, just like God said to Abraham, Abraham believed that it was counted unto him as righteousness. At that moment when you believe, God says this, righteous, righteous. No, no, he's not looking for works. He's not looking for a big life full of obedience, even though those are good things. This is what he's looking for. Trust me. Trust me, I've done it all, I've given it all, provided it all, trust me, believe on my son for what he's done for you, and you will be saved, you will be righteous. Let's pray.